All right, so tonight we're in steps 10 and 11, and I probably, I mean, I've said this about other steps, but I, I think that 10 and 11 requires that there was an encounter in two, and that we're, we're walking now informed in the spirit, um, because you don't try and improve consciousness of a concept. So this is about a conscious walk with your creator. So we're going to kind of walk us through it, starting at page 83, because if we don't do that, when we start in the step 10 instruction, we won't know what it is they're talking about. So I'm going to start at the bottom of page 83. Some of you will recognize this paragraph as the ninth step promises, or if you've just done fellowship, you might know them as the promises. I've even seen it on walls and halls that said the 12 promises. Those last two examples are, are actually deceptions. These are the ninth step promises, and they're promising states of being that you'll experience at that level of awareness of the spirit within you. So it's important that we not twist it up, because having you know, this new freedom and new happiness, I'm experiencing the promises, and then pointing to a car or a house, that's a deception. The, the, the thing we want people to understand is in three, whether I knew God or didn't know God, whether I believed or did not believe, if I did everything since my encounter in two and the decision I enacted and I learned the facts about myself and I'm getting ready to make my amends and doing what have you, what I now know is that God dwells in me and lives through me. Does it make sense? And then I want to improve consciousness of that because it's power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing in, ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're on the bottom of 83. If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. How many of you have the experience of amazement? How many of you know that that Halfway through is a moving target. Right? Okay. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So let's think about that. New means what? Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So they're not talking about freedom from addiction or freedom from chemicals, although that was unfamiliar. That's not the freedom they're promising. This is brand new. This is freedom from me. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. And if I've done what they said by now, I am getting free of those limiting thoughts about me that have kept me in chains all these years. Does that make sense? Any of you ever had limiting thoughts about yourself that kept you in chains? To Sean's point, you didn't have to go to prison to be in prison in your mind. Right? Okay, right, then it goes on to tell us that we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? You guys found some purpose in the past you thought a waste, yes? And you found that other people have found your past useful. Yes? This whole place, if you don't know those of you online, this whole place is helping men and women re-enter from a difficult start. And, and so one of the things we learn is that we're able to reach people with people who have had a similar lived experience quicker than other people can. True? Okay. 
They, they said that in AA's book a long time ago. An alcoholic, properly armed with the facts about himself, can generally win the confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until then, little or nothing can be accomplished. So what we did is we took that wisdom and we applied it to our recovery community within the penitentiary system. A convict, properly armed with the facts about himself, can generally win the confidence of another convict in a few hours. Until then, little or nothing can be accomplished. And the whole, the whole place is built on that model, guys. That's why your mentor said, what are you doing for others? What kind, of, what kind of peer programming are you doing on the inside? Right? Okay. All right, so it says we'll, we'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Look at the words they used. Comprehend and know. How does one comprehend serenity? You'd have to experience that absence of conflict, wouldn't you? How about to know peace? How many of you have strangely found yourself hearing birds singing and you thought all the birds on the planet died? How many of you have noticed that you can see the moon in daylight? When did that happen? Those are things that happen as we awaken to the spirit within and we start seeing the wonder that we've been blocking consciousness of. Yeah? Okay. So no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. Now that promise will materialize if you'll start working with others. That's why I say we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. I'm going to be amazed in two, three, four, twelve, when it's your two, three, and four. I'm going to, I'm going to have this constant amazement going on as I realize that the creator of the universe chose me to redeem others. And I want you to understand he chose you too or you wouldn't be here. And let me tell you something else. The chosen don't choose. You got to know these people that say, well, I chose. Nuh-uh. The chosen don't choose. You were snatched the fuck up and put on a path. Don't get it twisted. Okay. So that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you have had that experience? Just started finding a little bit of joy in simpler things. Okay. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. How many of you have had the experience of being able to be yourself in settings where you didn't used to be able to be yourself? That's losing our fear of people, yes? How many of you have found that you could survive poverty? How many of you lived richly in a state of poverty? Once I'm not owned by the things I think I own, I truly am free. Right? Okay. 
So we'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. How many of you have started to have those experiences? And we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now they're going to ask, are these extravagant promises? They probably are. They probably sounds like a lot of hooey, doesn't it? But the authors aren't talking to you about theories. This is the first 100. They're bearing witness to their experience of the first several thousand who have recovered. And recovered isn't mean an end to suffering. Recover, recovered means you woke up in the hospital. You have a procedure done. They take you to where? The recovery room. The goal of 12-step recovery is to wake up. Otherwise, they would have said having been struck sober is the result of these steps. That's not what they said. They said as having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others. Make sense? And then a byproduct of that is abstinence from alcohol. Because I now, if I'm serving, I'll be inebriated in spirit. Make sense? Okay. So, we think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. So what's the work? Where's, where's my biblical students? What's, what's the work according to scripture, chap? Act justly, love justice, walk humbly with my God. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. All right, so this thought brings us to step 10. What thought? These extravagant promises will always materialize if I work for them. And they've already, before I made this decision, I consciously examined. And then by six, I got to look at exactly what it looked like because now I was properly armed with the facts about myself and I'd talked to another and I'm ready to go. I have agreement in seven because I know I'm going to need a power greater than me, and I've started in my amends process, right? I've started making right those wrongs. A big part of that is starting to help others, yes? Okay. All right, so which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Sean always says that. Do you agree with him? He's right. Everyone questioned themselves right there, Sean. <laughs> I learned, I mean, Sean's right for Sean and I'm right for me. I learned how to take a personal inventory when someone showed me how to do a step four. Prior to that, I was pretty good at taking your inventory. Not so good at, okay. All right, and then it says continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. If I, they're assuming a couple things there that I know how to set right new mistakes, and they assume I'm going to make them. How many of you were liberated by the fact that you no longer had to be perfect? That's a new freedom and a new happiness, isn't it? Okay. All right, so it says we do this when? As we go along. Don't carry the burden. Don't beat yourself. Stay out of condemnation, right? Walk consciously. Does that make, make sense? They're going to walk us through it. So we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. What way of living? 
continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right new mistakes as I go along. Quit dragging that baggage of the past or the immediate past, right? Okay. So then it goes on to promise us something. We have entered the world of the spirit. That's a very declarative statement, don't you think? They didn't say some of us have. We might have. We have entered the world of the spirit. For people who come from an atheist or agnostic mindset, that sounds a little weird, so you might want to check yourself. Have you experienced these promises? Have you started to experience not regretting the past or wishing to shut the door on it? Have you started to lose your fear of people and economic insecurity? Have those things started to happen for you? If those things have started to happen to you, you have entered the world of the spirit. Does it make sense? We've got to help people understand. This isn't, this isn't something we can't comprehend. I can't grow in consciousness of that which I can't at least understand. You can't trick me into a conscious relation. Okay. All right. So, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Understanding of what? Effectiveness at what? Come on, all of you are in various stages of your step experience or contemplating it, yes? How many of you, as you started in your step experience, started growing an understanding of yourself as being sick? How many of you, as you started working with somebody that was helping you with that, grew an understanding that others had similar symptoms? How many of you started to have aha moments when someone pointed to you, the spirit moving in you, and said, that, that's the power we call God. Some of you felt, who felt that? That's the power we call God. That's not coming from up here. That's happening in you. That's your spirit recognizing my spirit. And once that happens, you know who you are and whose you are. You're a child of the living God. Okay. So then it tells us this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? There goes Sean again. Now I'll take issue with him. Because I contend that I've been able to spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you all my life. But it wasn't until I saw step four and saw how myself manifested and I didn't see you but my judgments of you that I realized the necessity for disciplining my thought life if I hope to be useful and walk free. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, so when these crop up, we ask God. Oh, that was weak. Come on. We ask power at once to remove them. See how I say, if you don't have the encounter in two, you're never going to do this. Because when I'm going to spin, if I need a fix. Always got one before. I knew where to get it. Whatever. Any port in a storm. But now I know the power is found within me. So I'm not going to dally. Right? So when they crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. What am I asking him to remove? 
selfish, dishonest, right? Resentment and fear. Remove that from me. Some of you that know that other book, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. That's 2,000-year-old wisdom brought up to present day. The plank in my eye is a limited perspective. What did the authors tell us insanity of alcoholism was? An appalling lack of perspective. God didn't send me to you so you could punish me. He sent me to you because we had a mutual healing for one another. All right, so so when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So... Where in the steps does it suggest that I can help me? Nowhere. Nowhere. I admitted powerlessness in one, I'm toast. But I have found that because of my unique experience, I am uniquely empowered to help you. God always brings a need to a need. I have no idea what my old ideas are, but if I'll try and help you, I'll see your plight. Does it make sense? How many of you have learned that? How many of you met you through others? That's why you want to do this work. Okay. All right, then it says, love and tolerance of others is our code. For those of you who are students of this book and other books, when they talk about and practice these principles in all our affairs, it's not the long list that Bill wrote in the 12 and 12. I know people teach it, but that's not true. This was written 15 years earlier. Bill did that so he could sell books to make sure he had his stipend covered. I ain't mad at Bill. I've done some shit to get my stipend covered. But you got to do what you got to do. But the reality is the principles we practice in all our affairs is watch, ask, discuss, turn. That's the manner of living. And then they'll deepen that from here. Okay? And then it's going to talk to us about some more promises. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. How many of you have had that experience of fighting your urges to use? How many of you found out that that wasn't a good plan? So when I have sufficiently encountered this power and gone through this sanctification process, this this awakening process, that's removed. And we need to tell people that. Because it ain't about parking your ass in rooms, guys. It's a, the rooms are great places to fellowship, but that's not where the healing happens. The healing happens out there on the highway, sticking out your hand. When anyone anywhere reaches out their hand for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there, and for that, I am responsible. Yes? Okay. All right. So, what did I do now? Okay. We'll seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we'll recoil from it as from a hot flame. Now they're describing a state of being. So if those two conditions are present, what's the likelihood I can use? Pretty close to zero. I mean, we don't ever want to go absolute because, you know, we got this other thing. Just random events. But if I'm seldom tempted, and when tempted, I recoil as from a hot flame. This is a unique time of year in Arizona. How many of you have 
touched your car. Did anyone have to caution you? You shouldn't leave your hand there. No, that motherfucker's hot. You get right off. You recoil as from a hot flame. See what they're describing? How many of you in your sobriety have been amazed when you had that experience? So it's not theories. This is their experience. Okay. So for by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll seldom be interested in liquor, and if tempted, we'll recoil from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. Now, at times, we'll hear people, as they're growing, saying what they do today to stay sober. I can tell you, after a number of years at this thing, there's not a damn thing I can do today to stay sober, but there are a number of things that I practice in order to stay spiritually fit because it benefits me. Does that make sense? All of this insanity has been changed and it happened automatically when I stopped trying to gather unto me and started trying to pour into you. That's just what happens. Okay? We'll see that this new attitude toward liquor is being given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. How many of you just let go of the idea of use, don't use, just started serving others and pretty soon it wasn't even part of the con conversation? That happens. Don't be problem focused. Don't be symptom focused. My problem was never alcohol and drugs. That was a symptom of an underlying problem. You know how I know? I tried abstinence. Guess what didn't happen? The problem didn't go away. Okay. I got to get back to what I was doing. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. You got to get that this is their testimony. The book is not called the big book, although we all call it that, and everyone says the big book. You're going to go to a big book study. You're going to study the testimony of the first 100, half of which were atheists or agnostics who were radically delivered by power within them. And their whole attitude and outlook on life changed. And it isn't about what happened in, in the room last Tuesday or with my sponsor, Fred. It's what happened to them. And if I can align my experience with them, one of the things they'll tell you is that the answers for you are in you. They're not in this book. They're, not, they're in you. So I've got to get to where I'm in practice instead of looking in the world when I need an interpretation to look within. Make sense? Okay. All right. So... We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. That's why this group has always been called position of neutrality. For us that are more scientific minded, when we start looking at religious promise of being relieved of the laws of this world, be lifted above the laws of this world, the natural laws of this world would dictate that we at our core cellularly are action reaction. Correct? Now, how many of you have had the opportunity or the experience of being able to be kinder than you felt like being? Then have you not been delivered from the laws of this world, at least temporarily? So it's not some mystical thing that you can't figure out. It happens in this flesh that I'm removed of the pull of this flesh if I strengthen my spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. 
So then it says we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. What's the problem? Driven by fear, right? Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-searching, self-deception, whatever, right? Okay. All right, so it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So I've always had this fear problem related to my identity. I either thought I was better than the places I was or less than the places I was, and so I had this insanity that thought, I don't want you to think what I think you're thinking of me, so I'm going to act in an inauthentic way to change the way I think you think about me. And pretty soon, none of us like me. Any of you relate? I'm guessing so. Okay. So it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So why might I want to get in fit spiritual condition? Well, that's their experience. I seldom in my active days was described as acting sane and normal. And when I was, they misperceived. So, why would they tell me that this is how I'll react if I stay in a fit spiritual condition? Because this is an operating manual for a very complex machine. The operating manual is simple, the machine more complex. I need to go back and see what the symptoms of my malady are or the symptoms of my fit spiritual condition. Am I fighting anything or anyone? See, there's a trick to waking up. This ain't a one and done. I was never a one and done drug user, and I ain't going to be a one and done God seeker. Right? The good thing about your relationship with God is God, just like cocaine or heroin, takes a second hit for you. True? Okay. I never had to be convinced to take the second hit of anything. That was a foregone conclusion. All right. So, goes on to tell us that this, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. What are our laurels? Past accomplishments. How many of you have tried that resting on your past accomplishments? How many of you have found that as a class we're not impressed by people's past accomplishments? We just want everyone to be impressed by ours. How many of you made it to homelessness on the way here? They were not the least bit impressed with my background. We're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol's a subtle foe. How many of you have had some clean time and then returned to active addiction? So alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, these are subtle foes, aren't they? Okay. We're not cured of alcoholism. Hmm. Sometimes people think that's what's up, right? Usually people that are not alcoholic. But they never promised a cure in here, did they? 
That's why when people think you're never recovered, you're always recovering because they're thinking of an illness that one might recover from. These authors didn't have a diagnosis of an illness in medical belief at that time. So this is a mining term. When they say recovered, they say it many, many times. And they only use the word recovering once, and that's in the chapter to the wives about the still drinking alcoholic. So they meant recovered, they meant a mining term, to be redeemed, to be taken from a scrap heap, raised to a level of life better than the best I've ever known. I have found something infinitely valuable within this scrap heap that was my life. Does that make sense? And that's what we're here to share. We're not here to share how I don't drink. It takes no power to not do. I'm here to tell you that the power that lifted me sent me to you. So what we have, really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Did you know you could? This is, we must carry the vision of God's will. What's God's will? Pretty much everything that's going on. There's this, this whole thing, this fallacy in, in all kinds of fellowships, church fellowships, recovery fellowships, that there's God's will and then there's my will. And I contend that's not true. Not Jesus when he was going ready to, getting ready to go to the cross. He did say, nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. But that's when he was wrestling with the Father about his plan for redemption. All I'm trying to tell you is there was never any chance that that was going to be changed. So God's will and my disagreement with it is what we really got. Which is why I might want to grow in consciousness of the power within me and develop the faith that's required to navigate this human experience. Yes? Okay. So it says, every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's wills into all, our, all of our activities. Which ones? All. So we all have some growth to do, right? Okay. How many of you were, were flyers or something, did frequent flying at some time? And when you, it was fun to do and you drank a whole bunch of, like I drank a whole quart of gin before I strapped on an airplane for years. <laughs> when I sobered up back in the 80s, first go round. I didn't have any tools. I didn't have a good belief. I didn't have nothing. But I knew this. Those AAs said, God grant me the serenity. Right? So I'd walk to an airport. I'd run through the airport like OJ. Those of you that aren't old enough to know. <laughs> screaming the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity. Because that's all I had. But I got a, flew all around the country for a lot of years. Anyway just to give you an idea how simple it really is. Um, so, these are thoughts which must, oh, I'm sorry, I be, how can I best serve thee, thy will, not mine, be done. They've got the not mine in parentheses. By the end of the night, I'll show you the little trick. The not mine goes away as you're awakened and ready to serve. Okay? All right, so, so these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. When do they got to go with us? How many of you have learned that your mind is kind of sneaky? Like you're just walking around, it's a pretty good day, and, and some son of a bitch 
Anybody have that experience? So it says, these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. What is that thought? Your will be done, your will be done, your will be done. What are you showing me? What are you showing me? What are you showing me? Right? Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Not out there in here. And then if I turn my thoughts to someone I can help, then I can see what I can do to... Right? We do a lot of that around here, right? You as a community, all of you guys that are programming here and you that work here, we spend all our time de-escalating people when they're having a rough day, don't we? In the recovery community broadly, don't we spend a lot of time de-escalating one another? Why? Because we all suffer from this affliction called a human condition. Okay. So we can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. If I will that I have more power than I need in order to impart it to you, it will come. Especially if you ask. So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. What did they say about it? The whole book's been about where do we find him? Deep down inside. And how do we experience them? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. So now if I'm lacking direction, it would make sense that I would test that theory. Except it's not a theory to me because it's a fact from my experience. Does it make sense? Are those extravagant promises? We think not. They are, but we know they happen, right? Because this, the age of miracles is still with us. Okay. All right, so if we've carefully followed directions, we begin to sense the flow of his spirit into us. That's pretty hard to miss, right? They're not talking about a group of drunks or what meetings you made or pick a light bulb or a doorknob or any of the silly shit people have talked about over the years. They're talking about if I've followed directions, I'm feeling Holy Spirit flowing into me and I'm walking in that power. So, we can exercise our willpower along this line, all we wish, it's the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, what did I do now? Okay, so to some extent we become God conscious. So we become power conscious. When they say conscious, what do they mean? Aware that I'm aware. How many of you have been aware that something was going on in you, but you weren't aware of what was going on in you? So as you improve consciousness, you'll not only be aware, but you'll be aware that you're aware. And you know how you do it? By going out to serve. How many of you have spoken a word to somebody and both of you got lit up electrically? Have you? Have you had that happen? How many of you tried to do it on someone you picked? <laughs> Didn't happen, did it? And that's when I know that there is a God. He dwells in me. That's another, that other book again. I can only do what I see the Father doing. But I get the grace to walk around and pretend I'm the guy. <laughs> but it, if I'm not in the vine, ain't no fruit. Okay. We've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. What's the vital sixth sense? God consciousness. Remember, I admitted to powerlessness. 
That condition didn't change, but I gained access to power, although flowing through me is not of me, which is why I would want to strengthen the spirit and walk in the spirit, because not only does it limit my suffering, but it makes me a, on a healing contract for the Almighty. Okay. All right, so we must go further, and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So we're going to move from, oh, God, I promise, if you get me out of this scrape, or, oh, this sucks, or just grunts and groans, to actually listening to the direction. And they're going to talk to us. It's not about sitting in a room and playing a gong or doing anything you might do for relaxation. This is about on the fly. This is real stuff, how we get guidance and direction as we go along. Does that make sense? So it says, step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. How, when are they using it? Constantly. Why would they want to do that? It says here, because it works. How many of you didn't believe in the power of prayer? Then you prayed and you were delivered. Maybe even something better than you prayed for. And then you thought, well, that little matter is taken care of. I got the rest of this life. And then all of a sudden, someone just said, well, why are you struggling? I don't know. I, I just can't figure it out. And I said, well, did you pray? Well, no, why would I pray about that? Because there ain't no little things and there ain't no big things. It's, it's all a matter of perspective. And if I don't go get right-sized, I'm going to be wrong-sized. Okay, so I don't know why I'm, oh, it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Would you like some? So this is where it's important that you go to your book and you sit down with someone who knows what it is, not because they can recite it, but because they walk it. Because I'm telling you, you'll hear all kinds of nonsense because people have made things up and I don't want anyone sitting in a limited place when all limits can be off simply by walking consciously. Okay? So when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. How many of you, when you retire at night, would have to admit sometimes you're not terribly constructive? So this is a practice or a discipline in the practices I've already learned to help alleviate some of that stuff that causes sleepless nights. Does it make sense? Okay. So then they've got the questions they ask themselves. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? That was the stuff they said I was going to look at all day long as I went along. They must have known I was human. So when I'm laying down burdened, it's because I didn't keep up as I went along. And apparently I'm still experiencing enough grace to have that awareness, and so now I've got a chance when I retire. Does that make sense? And by the way, we awaken and slumber many times each day, even in our wakeful state. So this, this is a practice and then a discipline and as you go along. Make sense? So do we owe an apology? Anybody? No? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? <laughs> so there was a fifth step where we shared with, to ourselves, 
to God and to another person. So if you're really struggling in a loop, sometimes you are going to need another person to help impart something in you to free you from that limiting thought. That's why if you're new to this, you probably have someone you call a sponsor or a mentor, and hopefully when you get to this stage of your development, they'll say, call me every day for 30 days and go through your review with me. Any of you ever heard that? How many of you have done that? How many of you sponsors still do that with people? Some of you? I'll tell you a little trick when you're new at it. It's a good idea to do it because one of the things that will happen is even if I don't want to do my review, if I know you're calling to do yours, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so you'll push me through my development. So what could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? They're letting me examine with my senses. When I'm stuck and miserable, am I thinking of me or am I thinking of you? And so what seems counterintuitive is just getting in the discipline of, I'm okay, I'm stuck in me. How many of you have been stuck in you, and then you knew, I need to think of others, and then you're, nah, I'm just going to shit and sit in it. So we do that too, but let's own it. Let's at least own that I've decided to be miserable in this moment. But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. So how many of you weren't really mad at them, you were mad at you? Because you just weren't perfect yet. So let's relieve that. You're absolutely perfect for who you are right now, and you've got some work to do moving forward. Because God meets you where you are and walks with you the whole time. He's not sitting away somewhere cheering for you. He's right in the middle of it. I'm moving too freaking much. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I can't yet. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. Who? And inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So that's what's happening on retirement. I'm going to ask God's forgiveness. Those of you who don't believe in God, why would I ask? Well, because God's forgiveness is not the same. It's divine. Divine forgiveness removes or rearranges the meaning in my mind. So, if you, so regardless of where you are, Religious-wise, this isn't a religious exercise, I'm just telling you, biblically, it either is removed or it is rearranged in my mind. And that's exactly what happens to an addict that realizes that your addiction is a calling, not a curse, and you move in the calling, and now your wasted past is this asset that will leave suffering for thousands if you'll just tell the story. And if you don't believe that, look around. Because I am that hopeless addict. I was declared incompetent by the state and by psychiatrists. My friend Sean saw the letters. And yet here we are in our little happy home together, restored. So, what did I do now? On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So what happened from 
on retirement asking for forgiveness and on awakening. What happened? Any of you ever get inspiration in your slumber? How many of you just had something happen in your psyche and it was... Because that happens too. But you'll actually have visions, you'll actually have inspiration in your slumber and you might want to catch it on awakening because it may be an important direction. Does it make sense? Okay. I had a guy remind me not too long ago, he ran into an old friend of mine that I'd worked with probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. But anyway, this guy, his father was dying and I always sent out scripture every morning, but this particular morning I woke up at 2 a.m., a little early, and I shot up and I knew I had to send him the 23rd Psalm. For those of you who don't know that book, 23rd Psalms often recited or played at funerals. And he called me back instantly and he said, thank you, Joe, that comforted me. My dad just passed. So it, you do get inspiration. So, all right, so we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. We ask power to direct our thinking. Start to make sense when you equate, when we speak of God, we're speaking of power, right? All right, so, so especially asking that be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Those of you guys that don't like fancy prayers and these and thous, God, please direct my thinking, especially to be divorced of self-seeking, dishonest, self-seeking motives. That's all you got to do, many times each day. Make sense? Okay. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. So look at the promise there. I can employ my mental faculties with assurance. How many of you would have to admit that your life experience would cause people to doubt that? But under these conditions that I have directed my thinking, being divorced of self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives, now the mind's working for me and God instead of me working for the mind. Does that make sense? So your mind is a tool for the spirit to use, or you're a tool for the flesh to use. That's what happens. Okay? All right. So, so it says... In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may be, not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. So that's really simple, guys. Don't get it twisted. When I'm disturbed, when I'm indecisive, God inspire me. Because I know God's a reality within me now, yes? And if you're not on first name basis, just talk to the power within you. He'll reveal himself. So it says we relax and take it easy. Why would they caution you about that? Because sometimes I already know the outcome when I ask. Not the outcome, but the one I want. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. How, do you think the right answers always came and I just quit fighting with them? Because a lot of times I think I've predetermined what it should look like, so I got the right answer. I go, nah. But sometimes the right answer is perplexing to us humans. How many of you were getting ready to go to dinner with friends? 
Got that call from old Harvey over in the slope. <laughs> hey, I'm under a bush. Think I'm about done. Dope man took my cell phone. That tweaker took my bike. You picked me up? Well, I was about to go to dinner. Okay, God, what do I got to do? I got to go get fucking Harvey. Because I've been under a bush in the slope with my cell phone at the dope man and the bike gone down the road on the tweet. Yeah? Okay. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. Why do they tell us that? We're going to make mistakes and we want to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you had that happen? How many of you thought it was an absurd action and idea, acted in it, and found out you actually the spirit was using you for something? Because that happens too. You're going to have to test drive this thing. Okay? All right, so nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. The plane of inspiration. Okay. So we usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends, Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. So this is their testimony. They're telling you of the mistakes they made, and they're saying you can easily see why, but if you haven't practiced this, you may not so easily see why. So I'm going to tell you what my experience is with it and see if you relate. What happened is I was wanting my circumstances removed. You know, make her not mad at me anymore. Make them not fire me. Make them give me my license back. Make them let me out of here. And I was praying for the wrong thing because all of those things, the power in me that carried me through it as I grew in consciousness of it, it shed the real problem. It shed my selfishness, my dishonesty, my resentment, my fear, my hopelessness, my guilt, shame, remorse. It shed them and I came out a free man. Does that make sense? But it's a process. Now can you easily see why? Don't ask for circumstances to be removed. Ask for power to confront your circumstance. Make sense? Okay. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So how would I know if circumstances warrant? I may feel it. Sean's point, as you grow spiritually, you'll feel that they're curious before they speak their curiosity, and it's okay to offer. The other more common way is they'll say, look, I'm watching you, and you're doing better. Show me this thing you're doing. That make sense? And then as you walk to Sean's point, people who don't even know you will stop you and say, will you pray for me? So don't run from them thinking they want money. They want light. Okay. Okay, so Okay, I did I did it again. 
Okay, we usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer we've shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will. I, well, I did all that. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So don't forsake your religious practice if you have it, but don't re forsake your AA practice in lieu of your religious practice because they're not the same, right? For years in recovery, if you were around in the 80s, there was a book at the back of anyone in recovery's toilet, and it was a one-day-at-a-time book. And that's what everyone thought meditation was, reading someone else's meditation. And it's not a bad idea to get in that habit, but the, the answers for you are in you. They're not in that book. If it makes you introspective, great. But they want you in prayer and meditation so that you're consciously building your relationship with the spirit in you. Does it make sense? Okay. So... And they tell you about that. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. So that's what people were trying to help us do, but we can't assume that's where we stop. We've got to grow. Yes? Okay. So there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they're offered. They use the words they mean. They mean the words they say. They didn't say be quick to see that religious people are right because religious people are like recovery people. They're often quite wrong. <laughs> but we need to see where they're right. And just like if you want to see where recovery people are right, you better read this book. And if you want to see where religious people are right, you better read that book because the author dwells in you. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Has that ever happened to you? So now they're, starting, they're, getting, they're breaking down those principles we practice in all our affairs. Now, watch, ask, discuss, turn. Now, pause when agitated or doubtful. How many of you have been agitated or doubtful? Pretty much every day, some point, right? So what do we do? Instead of blaming somebody or whatever, we ask for the right thought or action. Sometimes it's just be still. Yes? Okay. We constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves, many times each day, thy will be done. Those of you with the book, you can check me. Back in 10, they had a not mine in parentheses. It's pure delusion. But they allow me a little delusion at that stage of my development. By the time I'm seeking guidance, growing relationship, the not mine's gone. There's just God's will, and oh boy, I hope you're with me, right? Because sometimes, why do you think God wanted you to have a will? Because you got a tough assignment. You're, you're going to serve consciously God's people, spearheads of his ever-advancing creation. You're going to be his love on earth. And it's going to take power greater than you, but you're still going to have to will it because God's only going to push you far enough that you can actually exert yourself enough to train. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're then in much less danger of fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. So how many of you need a little, 
little freedom from foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. How many of you have found that out? Any of you find life really complex and active addiction? Like, not doing a fucking thing, but complex. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. So claim that promise. This active life, an awakened walk, walking consciously with the Creator, love justice, act humbly, I mean, right? This is what we're doing constantly. Okay, we alcoholics are undisciplined. Any alcoholics in the room? So is that, are we convicted? We're undisciplined. Every good father disciplines his child. So we're, we are not going through punishment. We're going through discipline for a destiny that's already preordained. And I definitely want to be ready when I get there. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined, but this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. So next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Thank you very much.